to Chapter Tactics, your Warhammer 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. And I'm your host, Val Heffelfinger. Now, I know that may sound a little strange, and it sure sounds strange to me, too. Uh, a couple years ago, this was the first podcast that I was ever invited onto, an event that led me to become much more deeply involved in this community. It's allowed me to make friends all over the world and to flex my creative muscles. And most of all, it's allowed me to listen to myself talk and laugh at my own jokes. However, I think I'd be doing you all a disservice if I didn't address, at least in part, the rhino-sized elephant in the room. If you are unaware, a few weeks ago, Pablo left Frontline Gaming and going forward is in no way affiliated with Frontline Gaming. This is not the place to get into details, and it is not my place to share them if I knew them, but if there's anything to be said about the situation, it's that it sucks. Pablo had intended to continue the show independently, but reached the conclusion that he would not be, and has decided to focus on other priorities in his family and personal life. When he shared with me that the show would not go on, I made an offer to him for it, and he accepted. And that's how we are here today. To the patrons who have stuck with the show, I want to thank you all personally. And for those of you who have lapsed or maybe left during the last month, I ask that you perhaps consider returning. We're about to kick off what I hope is not only a new chapter for Chapter Tactics, but for the whole Frontline Gaming Network. It's going to be just a really exciting couple of weeks, and I can't wait for you all to see some of the amazing shows that we got lined up for you. So, to that end, I think it's time we start this show. And it wouldn't be Chapter Tactics if the host didn't talk for a long time before introducing each one of the guests who are patiently waiting with him on the line. I'm going to roll out the most recent champion of the uh, Battle for Los Angeles Grand Tournament, Brandon Grant, on the show tonight. Hello, Brandon. It's uh, very good to be back, and I think we're all going to miss Pablo, but it's nice to have you as the host, Val. I used to have to steal the show. And and uh, I used to do the uh, you know the the rap air horn whenever I did no rap air horn today. I'm gonna act like I've been here before, and I'm gonna introduce the next two guests that we have here. We've got Matt, aka Magikarp, Usefly, and Demeki from the Dice Check podcast slash YouTube channel. How are you, fellas? Beer, beer, beer. There it is. <laughs> I got you, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, today, we're just going to go for a bit of a ramble, and then we're going to answer a bunch of uh, patron questions. A lot of people want to know about uh, the future of, of the show, the network, and you know some wonderful random questions about 40K2. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, before we get into other stuff, though, Gentlemen, uh, could you could you maybe share a little bit about yourselves? I think a lot of people probably have seen uh, certainly Matt. You know the uh, the, the video you you uh, released, I guess last spring. Three guys spend three thousand dollars on plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to re we need to rename it to uh, four guys spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on plastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we create content on YouTube and on Twitch. Uh, centered around 40k other tabletop stuff but uh mostly just 40k um yeah and like you know we just we have a good time we have some fun times uh and we try to help out new players get into the hobby as much as we can and kind of unveil the blanket of it, it, it's a it's like a it, it's a hard hobby to get into and stuff like that you know so uh, both of, both of you guys didn't have 
like really a past in 40k before this demek was this like your first dive into the deep end of the pool or yeah essentially so like the first time i ever even uh witnessed or saw the hobby well i think i was like 13 years old uh okay. at discovery uh mall uh outside of atlanta and uh we were on our way to the bass pro shop because uh if for everyone who doesn't know what that is it's like a, a camping fishing hunting store uh, my grandfather was on the way over there. We saw a games workshop store. We stopped by the guy kind of demoed the game for us. And then my grandfather was like, all right, this is enough of this nerdy stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's go look at some guns and some fishing rods. So, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, after that, uh, like I played magic, the gathering for a while. Uh, and you know, anytime you go to buy cards that like Warhammer's there, normally mm -hmm. it's also being sold in the stores. So I've always seen it and I've been exposed to it, but, uh, didn't start playing until our friend Bricky introduced us properly to the game. Oh, this is Bricky's fault. Yeah. It's definitely Bricky's fault. Yes. 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 My, my, uh, my girlfriend hates Bricky for all the money that we've spent on Warhammer now. So not allowed to talk to him anymore. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> this isn't just about, this isn't just about money. It's also space, um, both physical and mental. Uh, it's, uh, also all of your time. Uh, it's, it is yes. an all encompassing obsession. Um, I mean, I mean, even, even you, Brandon, do you have any boundaries? Like, do you have boundaries on your hobby or, or is, or are you just as down the rabbit hole as anybody else? I would definitely fall very, very far down the rabbit hole if I let me. So I have to set boundaries. Um, like right now I have two armies that I own, Imperial Guard and Sisters of Battle. I've sold off my Dark Angels, sadly. But um, I'm trying not to let all of the miniatures take over the house. I have um, my father-in-law, actually, who has had his game room cleaned out routinely because he collects so many things that he never ends up using by his family. So I love the guy, but I don't want to end up with there's so much stuff in my house and I don't even know what half of it is anymore. That's why you get the routine purges or... You do what Matt and Demeki have done and just rent a commercial space uh, from which that you can hide all of your mountains of, of miniatures and stuff. Because things have escalated quickly over at Dice Check, have they not? Uh, yeah, y yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so now uh, I tuck away, we all tuck our armies away inside the office. And so now... My girlfriend doesn't know how much uh, I've spent on it or how many uh, models I have now. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a small clue because I still have some stuff here, like some demon stuff, but those are all unpainted. Um, all Everything else is over at the office, and whew, there's a lot. Like, out of four people, uh, we, we all store our armies there, and so there's just... Now we're running into a problem of we don't know where to store all of them inside of the office. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gotten to that point. <laughs> and luckily, like, my wife hasn't questioned anything. She just looks in my office and says, wow, that's a lot of stuff, and then just, like, walks away. Just walks away shaking her head and goes and plays with the guns. Uh, Wise woman. Uh, so I, recently, if, if anyone hasn't uh, gone and watched it, it is a, a piece of, of, of film magic, which is the tour of the Dice Check compound, uh, shot with a wide lens to make sure that you're getting, you know, the full – you know, sense of the room and, and the majesty of the space. Uh, so yeah, I just don't look at the floor. Just don't look at the floor. <laughs> the Everything else is there. fine. Just don't look at the floor and don't look at the wires. The don't option, worry. It's the all option's good. definitely there. Now, you guys, now, 
Now, Matt, as Magic Carp used Fly, which, by the way, is a very obviously fake name, I suggest something more like Val Heffelfinger if you want to, like, be a little bit more down low. Just suggesting. L listen, okay, when I, when I made that name, I, I don't know what I was... I just thought it was funny. I didn't think it was going to do anything. And so now I'm just stuck with it, and I don't know what to do. Like, it's just... It's, it's such a long name. I don't know what to do with it anymore. I have to look to see if Carp is with a K or a C every time. Um, but that's besides the point. You were making content, or are continuing to, to put content out on, on a channel under that name. Was the rest of the crew involved in, in content uh, making, too, on, on the YouTubes and other places? Or is that mostly your action? Yeah, actually, Demeki... Um... Uh, how I met Demeki was, uh, on TeamSpeak. Uh, I, I created like a TeamSpeak server where, uh, people who watch my videos can go on and then, uh, I would play games with them. And Demeki was one of the people that was there. And yeah, ever since then, I think like, I, I brought him into the call because his voice just sounded so good. Yep. And so we, so, uh, added him into the group. And ever since then, we've just been good friends yeah and he moved out to like california and stuff and we've been hanging out and yeah don't so, let your dreams be memes guys shoot your shot so demeki i'm about to get this straight you uh you met someone online and you moved to california for them all right yes <laughs> yes i solely moved out here for him no it, it was just it was it was pure coincidence it was the the oddest thing ever uh so by the time i had met matt my wife had already taken a job out here Okay. And uh, I was still serving in the military at the time. I was in the Air Force. So I was kind of like minding my time trying to figure out what to do, whether if I was going to stay in, get out, uh, or, you know, it, just see where life was going to take me. Uh, luckily, uh, I uh, retired early. Uh, once that happened, uh, I moved out to be with my wife. But uh, the first time I had met Matt in person, uh, we decided that we would go meet at a restaurant, you know, we get dinner, uh, dinner together as you do. And, um, uh, as we're standing there waiting, uh, my wife goes, this is, they're not real. These, these people aren't real. You're getting catfished. <laughs> I was like, why would they catfish me? I was like, what? Carp like, is what? in his name. Carp <laughs> is in his name. <laughs> You're being catfished. Just so you know, Demeki, I'm still catfishing you. This isn't even me. Uh, like, uh, this is all, I'm all Photoshopped. This, this, it, this makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. My life is ruined. I must move back to Georgia oh, ASAP. Oh, all right. So that's how you, that's not a bad, bad, you know, lateral move going from Georgia to, to where you guys are in San Diego, former home of Frontline Gaming. Is that right? Ish? Correct. Ballpark? Yeah. yeah. SoCal? Um, yeah. I, you, you know, what's funny is that um, we recently joined a league at uh, an LGS near us. And at the league, we saw um, Reese and uh, Pablo's names on the, on the dock from past games so we're just like oh we feel so connected <laughs> we are we are walking in their footsteps um fantastic and then uh my my final question on 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 your uh your current venture your venture dice check would be so like you know you guys have experience making content uh you, you decide to start playing warhammer which is always funny to me because uh i was describing to brandon before the show that you know, this this episode kind of felt like I was at the top of a roller coaster looking down. And I feel like uh, starting 40K is more like being at the bottom of an ocean and looking up. And, like, you, you've got a long way to swim before you can actually breathe anything. Uh, why, why did you decide that you wanted to, like, go on that journey in front of the Internet 
Uh, like, what made you want to like not just make the content you were making, but I'm gonna we're we're gonna dive into Warhammer and become creators for it. Yeah. So the way that I looked at it was that uh, the Warhammer content community is still in its infancy. And so what I what I wanted to do when we were getting into Warhammer, when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do, I wanted it to be a like a, a big endeavor, right? I, I always like kind of uh, reinventing the wheel, you know? Um, and on YouTube, I, I can see a lot of analytics when it comes to Warhammer and stuff and just like content in general and seeing the way that the content was being made for Warhammer, I was like, oh, I kind of want to go in this and try to bolster it up a little bit and kind of do, you know, like if, if all, you know, a rising tide raises all ships, right? So if everybody is succeeding in the Warhammer community and it's gaining so much traction at this point that like, it, it, it would be crazy to not want to dip your foot into it and, you know, try to get onto the ground floor for uh for uh, future content when it comes to Warhammer. And that, and that is kind of interesting uh to me that uh, cuz I thought it was kind of fun like honestly like when you first when you guys first started doing your channel I was like what? <laughs> you're you're pivoting into tabletop games and then I've noticed too that like other established YouTubers seem to be making that pivot as well and I just want to toss something yeah. out to Brandon. Uh you know did as like a longtime player, did you ever think that things would actually come this far? That like you would see like I don't know I don't want to call Magic Carp you just fly mainstream. But, you know, like I think it's starting to really break through to sort of the more, you know, general geekery out there and and sort of uh, nerd culture. Did you ever really think that this would start it happening? It never occurred to me that the people attending forty K events wouldn't need to be asked to put on deodorant. So <laughs> <laughs> this is all a surprise for me, a very pleasant one. And I appreciate content producers who are focused on the intimidating uh, situation that is 40K looks cool. I don't know anything about it, or I know a little bit about it, but how do I get better or where do I go from here? So I really appreciate anyone who's going out there and trying to make it easier to get into this hobby. Yeah. So, if you guys want to go on the journey, dice check. And there's also going to be some uh, uh, more talk, I think, about that. There's some good patron questions, I think, for you guys uh, coming up towards the end of the show. Got a lot of... This is going to be a pretty heavy patron question-focused episode, folks. And that's not just because I'm pandering, although it's largely because I'm pandering. It's also because there's a lot of open questions right now about the future of this show, about the future of the network, about apparently how to build a really effective slanesh army uh some of those questions we'll answer in a lot of detail stay tuned to find out which ones um before we segue over to uh, uh talking to brandon about some really great event uh results that he got i just wanted to shout out the fact that my boys are now men they've grown up they've gone from piddly strength three toughness four models in seventh edition and then they reached adolescence in 8th edition, and now the orcs are fully fledged. Strength 4, toughness 5, men's. They're not boys. They're men's. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, I think that they should change their names to orc mans instead yes. of orc boys. Okay. I think that that's, a, that's an oversight from GW. <laughs> uh, but, dude, seeing T5, a T5 horde army is terrifying to me. 
From a design and game balance perspective, I actually think it's really good. It was uh, something I was thinking about internally, was that I think the way that strength and toughness is working now, there are quite a few models that instead of giving them an invulnerable save or a feel of pain, could stand to have their toughness increased to make them more resistant to damage, but not have an invul save or necessarily a better armor save. And the way they've done it with orcs seems brilliant to me. Yeah, it it, it looks it, it feels like um that orcs is just gonna you know obviously orcs is like a fan favorite army right uh -huh. um you're saying all the right things continue yeah yeah right everybody loves orcs and seeing them like and and they always do they always find a way to do well in tournament play um but now that seeing them come up to t5 it makes me excited because now i want to see what the other horde armies are going to be like what i want to know what ash Militarum is going to be like i want to know what uh nids are going to be there like there you go there yeah. you go i'm just saying you're burying the lead there Matt is an avid Tyranids player. If uh, I was going to wishlist something, I was going to wishlist T9 Lehman Russ. Oh. 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 I do, I do <laughs> wonder, because of the way that they changed, uh, you know, how uh, things are wounded in 8th edition, um, you know, the one up or one below or, or tied uh, results in what you have to roll. I, I do wonder if, if adjusting certain toughnesses upwards is important. But I mean, are you guys a little concerned too? Because they've been they've been juicing the weapon profiles. Yeah. And and, and now they're also you know now they're kind of juicing the stat lines too. Is is it going to be six of one, half a dozen the other at the end, or do you think there's like a real fundamental shift in the math? I mean, as as a as a towel player right now, when I see this, it just it, it kind of hurts even more. I just want you uh, to know that no one feels sorry for you as a former towel player. Just in case you feel like you're going to get any sympathy, you're not going to. So adjust accordingly. I I, I know, and and I kind of found that out as I picked the army because apparently <laughs> people have hate for Tal and Eldar. So I'm I, you know I already feel it. Um, it, it, I just look at the T5 and I look at like my strike teams and, and my breacher teams and I'm just like, wow, this is a, this is a problem for me. Um, <laughs> gotta throw them fours, bud. Fours to hit, fours to wound. Let's go. Let's yep. go. Yep. <laughs> I, I, and, I mean, but at, at the same time, I'm trying to be optimistic with all the changes that I'm seeing, especially yeah. for the Xenos armies yeah. and just trying to hype myself up and prepare for when we do get that Tau Codex. Yep, I, I think that's a good thing. I will say that as an avid orc player, I'm a bit surprised by the beast nagas because they are uh, strength five, toughness five, and they're these big beefy boys, men's if you will, and uh, one wound. Yeah, I, I'm actually okay with that. Uh, if, if they had gone up to two wounds instead of and also T five, I think that maybe that might be a problem. Well, these are the beast nagas. These are the medium sized boys, not not quite your knobs. Uh, yeah, you know, not quite your boy. They're beast snaggers. Yeah, but like regardless, like you, you know, seeing a two wound on a horde army with T five as well, I feel like um, might be too scary. But like you know, I'm, obviously I'm not a game designer, so I don't, I don't really know. Uh, but in my opinion, that would be <laughs> that would be even more terrifying. Two wounds is way better on small squads, like maximum ten. If you're going to have 30 boys with two wounds each, that's 60 wounds in one unit. It opens up a can of worms in terms of if you throw enough buffs on that unit, it's going to get out of control really fast. All right, so we're going to do, do a speculation lightning round. 
coming at you hot and fast. Boys are currently eight points a model, over under ten points per model when the codex comes. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're gonna stay where they're at. We're going under. Anybody else care to wager? I'd put them at twelve points. Twelve points? Why do you say that? Because they're also getting better weapons. That's right. They did get that minus one rend on the choppers. That's right. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just had an extra attack built into their profile instead of the plus one on the charge. Well, they they don't have. Um... Oh, I see. do they? Hold on. They have two attacks they with two the attacks with the leak, the yeah. yeah. And then it was actually as if they're. It used to be if their unit was above twenty, they would get the plus one. Yeah. That's it. So two attacks base plus one for the choppa, possibly four attacks on the charge on a T five strength five model. And that sounds like 12 points. Well, it's T5 strength 4 on just the regular boy. Uh, so, 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 you know, it does bring him down a bit. Because, like, the Beast Nagas who are getting plus 1 to hit vehicles are also wounding most things on uh, on a 5 now, <laughs> which is awesome. That's true. Uh, so, you know, strength 5 is very key because anything that's less than T10, you're wounding yeah, so, a 5. So maybe you should be praying for uh, toughness 10 Lehman Russes. No, I, I think that's too much. All right. Maybe a T10 Land Raider. T10 Land Raider. Will we see <laughs> Toughness 10? That is the question, guys. Will they go there? Uh, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt yeah, it. I, I think that's too much wishful thinking. Uh, but who knows? You know, Craft World's going to come out, and then just, they're just going to be <laughs> T20, and then who cares? Hey, a Toughness 10 model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at what they did with the Poxwalkers, right? Like, m that's why I'm saying maybe they'll stay under 10. Mm -hmm. Just looking at what they did with the Poxwalkers, and then like, oh, then don't remind me. <laughs> and then look at the boys, and, and I mean, yeah, they have a gun, and they have some different, they have some weapon options. But that's why I'm thinking maybe they'll probably stay under ten. The thing about Poxwalkers is that as designed, their damage is nothing. But then they have the one CP strat of I murder anything in the game with ten mortals. So... Yeah. Oh, it's so it, it, that's it's such. That's a what makes them so ridiculous for their cost, and I don't think orcs are going to have a mortal wound strat built into them, and they're going to probably cost more than poxwalkers because they have better stats. Well, right now we have. I'm using first person plural apparently about the orcs. Uh, the orcs have uh, the burner bomber, uh, and that is just a just a wonderful explosion of mortal wounds, which I'll never. If this book comes out and they take away that strat, I will never have actually gotten to play it because thanks, COVID. Um, anyway, I think we can move away from the boys unless you guys have any other yes, groundbreaking please. thoughts. All right. Because now we got to talk about some, uh, some, some strength three, toughness three uh, sisters of battle, you might say, at the battle for Los Angeles. Brandon Grant, the champion this year. How do you feel? I feel pretty good about that win. Um, if we're going to do the five-minute summary, it's um, it's a decentralized list with lots of transports, lots of melee threats, and some really solid shooting threats all rolling into one. And um, it's a toolbox list because it has things like Fight Last through Draxus, although with the new Codex leaks recently, I might not need to branch into Inquisition to get Fight Blast, which would be uh -huh. great. Um, but... The way you play that list is you use terrain to your advantage. You hide as much as you possibly can. Um, you pop the retributors out and use their Stormer Retribution strat, so their 36-inch range plus one damage. And you try and make good trades with the shooting so that 
even if your opponent's out shooting you towards the end of the game, they don't have enough left to table you and you've pushed them off the middle of the table the whole game because you're the melee army and you win on points. So immediately, um, you know, hide and transports, uh, pop out, kill stuff. I mean, I am pretty much 40k illiterate. That's why I'm the host. Um, that sounds a bit like the way people have been describing Drakari. Did you run into the Purple Menace uh, out there, and uh, did you actually factor them in? Was this list tooled up for, for the Drukari Menace? This list had all sorts of um, tech pieces that were intended to fight Drukari, including Inquisitor Draxus, including Arcoflagellants, including Handflamer Seraphim, um, including five strong squads of Zephyrim. So it was a lot of MSU because... A lot of the stuff Drakari does is not extremely huge squads of tough mm -hmm. stuff. If you hit it with a wet blanket, it's going to get off the right. table. So uh, that's what the list was focused on, is just enough damage with these units to remove MSU Drakari. Firepower that's focused on removing their raiders, and then melee units that can combo charge things because of Strike Blast and just murder everyone. So you're basically trying to out Drakari Drakari with Sisters of Battle? Yep, and that's just to get a chance. A fully tech Drakari list is still going to be better. Or it will be until this new codex, who knows. Quick question. So how how was your like uh you know, how was the run to the, the, the final table? What uh what what things did you see in say the, the fourth and fifth round? Uh the fourth round was a mirror match into sisters, and uh he had a list that mine countered hard. So he had a lot of mortifiers and uh, was Valorous Heart for Ignore AP1. And he looked at my list and said, you don't have any AP2. No. So basically his list, his chapter tactic or order keyword did nothing into my army. And um, he had exorcists and he had retributors, two of each. But I had a lot more melee threat than him. And his opening shooting phase was... Um, well, for me, it was everyone moves forward and blows smoke and hides behind ruins in the center of the board to set up to take his objectives on the following turn. On his turn, both exorcists pop out and a retributor squad pops out and pops Storm of Retribution, and I think he pops a rhino. Two rhinos. Yeah, pops two rhinos. Everyone gets out safely. And then on my turn, uh, both exorcists go away, the retributors go away, and the last squad of retributors gets bad-touched by Repentia, and I take all his objectives away from him. And he never really recovered from that. And he had to keep the mortifiers back, because my retributors just eat them for breakfast. Yeah. So it turned into, after turn two, he's stuck in his deployment zone, can't get to my objectives, and I score all my secondaries and primaries, and I win. And then the final game was Admech. And the list was definitely like the final boss battle list. Props to um, Jason running it. It was very well crafted. He's very good with it. And it's basically a Mars Death Star with every shooting buff that I wish Guard could get. <laughs> like full rerolls to hit in shooting and melee on everyone. The ability to fall back and charge in an aura on everyone. Um... Yeah, it was just gross. Plenty of nice indirect fire with Scorpius tanks, a bomber that did about 12 mortal wounds over the course of the game on a hundred or so and change point model. Um, yeah, and then the, the ponies that got nerfed where they were three wounds, T4, four up, six up, um, 
and their 2CP strat is if you declare a charge on them, they just move 12 inches wherever they want and your charge fails. Um, yeah, and then everything else in his list is just this death ball around Call and his other characters that make them do all these ridiculous things. And the whole game, everything in his army is plus one armor save, plus one strength to heavy weapons. It was just like, if anything in his army sees anything in my army, it's gone. Hmm. Like, he has firepower to spare. So it's pretty much me trying to hug terrain and throw five strong squads of battle sisters on the midfield objectives. And it came down literally to um, me shooting retributors with the Storm of Retribution strat into his um, war pony squads to kill them down to the last one. One of them lived at the bottom of turn two and zoned out for him from all my reserves coming in. I had the Hand Flamer Seraphim come in and use their strat to shoot during the movement phase and remove the last screening dog, which allowed everything else to pile in nine inches away from the meat of his army and actually remove quite a bit of it. And that's basically what cost him the game. So what was it like going up against... Uh, so, you know, that's the new ad mech, right? Um, how does it feel playing with sisters against the new ad mech? Do you see it as, like, a big problem going oh, into that it? was... That oh, that was old? old? Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was already uh, a mountain to climb. I, I felt like the underdog in that matchup. I'm like, if he can see me, I lose. So I mm -hmm. played super cagey the first two turns. Yeah. Um, and just tried to keep stuff alive. And then committed literally everyone on turn three to kill as much as I could. And he still picked up 80% of what he could see on his turn to, to shoot back at me. It was absolutely ridiculous firepower. And I think at the end of the game, I just had some characters hiding behind a box on an objective on one side, and he didn't have enough indirect fire to kill them. And that was the game. It was just like, don't get tabled, and I'll win. So I think uh, coming into what will be ACO weekend, I guess uh, we're just under two weeks to the ACO. Um, frontline gaming terrain is going to be obviously deployed on all of those tables. Um, we were talking a bit pre-show about um terrain and density and boxes and i just wondered if maybe you can give some quick thoughts on on the state of terrain for a, a lot of tos who are getting back into things after a long layover sure so my admec opponent very commented during the game he's like this this table has the most terrain i've seen during this whole tournament and it was six boxes that were 12 by 12 ruins with four walls and only uh, all windows or that no, that's not true. It was two boxes that were twelve by twelve. Everyone has windows with three levels that you can't actually place models inside because they're mm. closed. Um, and then four reasonably L-shaped pieces, but with huge um, pieces of area terrain on the base jutting out from them. So they're actually hard to hide behind for obscuring. So quick question, just on the boxes piece, because there's no actual like really, there's really no rules in the BRB for. You know, a traditional ITC box. So how were you guys ruling them? What were you playing them as? Obscuring ruins. Okay. So you can move through them if you're infantry. Otherwise, you so can't. So you guys were doing magic boxes? Pretty much. But if you're inside of the box, you can be seen because all the windows are open. Yeah, because it's windowless, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's just open everywhere. And you couldn't actually hide an infantry-sized model anywhere inside these magic boxes and be out of line of sight. Um, that's how many windows there were. And um, trust me, I looked at them. I'm like, can I hide a character? No. Um, but the big thing is that both of them were sort of touching the fronts of our deployment zones in a hammer and anvil style, which is where you start on the short edges. And his big death ball 
all just had to like toe touch that ruin and they can see through yeah. it. So it it's basically not there when he doesn't need it to be. And then it, in order to win the game, I think all he had to do was move everyone to the center of the board and toe touch my home piece of terrain that was at the front of my zone. And there would have been nowhere on the board that I could hide. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would have just been, Oh, you can charge me. I'm going to kill you in overwatch with one unit. And then everything that doesn't die is going to fall back and heal twice and then shoot you anyway. Um, so yeah, it's an absolutely brutal army. If you can get line of sight to me. Do you think that that was a, a mistake by the TO not, not, you know, making to where some of those things didn't have the windows no, I think it was a local gaming store that's still using 8th edition terrain and hasn't had any events in 9th edition really because of COVID. So this is a new new thing for them to go into 9th. And um, that would be my comment for their terrain is um, think about updating it to include thinner pieces of obscuring terrain. Um, otherwise, if they're big enough, if you're hiding, you're not threatening right. anything unless you're a 36-inch range and then Hey, Demeki. <laughs> yeah. There's there's hope. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side of an impenetrable box, just where Tao wants to be. Uh, there were also some crates in midfield, and my rhinos were just barely too tall to hide behind them if he moved close enough. Now, in 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 that uh in that event, were there ever any ruins that had boarded up windows or anything on bottom floor? Every ruin was totally transparent wow. if you were touching wow. it. Wow, that sucks. Yeah, it does. That's such a huge problem in ninth edition too. Like ninth edition, even um, you know, GW made uh, you know, the there's there's keywords now for terrain and stuff. But having no windowless on ruins on a board, that doesn't make any sense. Like at least have maybe two ruins that have uh that's boarded up at, at the very least, right? I will I will be very interested to see because I mean there were some pretty standard conventions during 8th edition that basically everyone actually by the end literally including um warhammer world observed the uh bottom floor of ruins uh block line of sight and that was just that was just a thing that had to happen in order to you know uh make it a little less um everyone dies <laughs> you guys are making me think there was um the old itc tau terrain yeah um one of those pieces of terrain was basically you can't put anyone in it because the levels are too small. And we're like, we agreed, made a gentleman's agreement at the table. We're going to treat it like infantry can go inside, just place them on the roof. And we'll treat these walls as impassable or uh, impermeable. You can't see through them. And we'll treat these walls as totally transparent. So we just house ruled that piece of terrain to be reasonable. Um, you know, I mean, I know, for example, at the ACO, uh, the, the rules going into it are you agree with your opponent, what, what the terrain features are. Um, I'm hoping that there's going to be some more specific direction than, than, than just that. And especially with, and um, we'll talk about this in the, in the patron questions, but the, uh, you know, games workshops coming out on the road, they're hitting the, they got their tractor trailer and they're going to go do some events. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that event will start to, I don't know, uh, come up with some canon solutions for, uh, some of the conundrums that we're facing in the, in sort of the tournament scene right now. Yeah, I just highly encourage TOs to ask your most veteran local players for advice on how to set up tables and wherever possible. Some of my favorite events, for example, have put out 
cards that list what every piece of terrain should be regarded as and how to resolve it, and the terrain has positions it's supposed to be in, and the TOs come by and make sure everything's where it's supposed to be between rounds. Like, that's incredibly useful, because you don't end up with these skew tables where somebody shoved everything to one side so they could quit, uh, put their army on the table, and now you have no idea where it's supposed to go. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move us along off of terrain, but congratulations, Brandon. I think that's super cool that you, you bagged one with, with, uh, with the sisters. And so why don't we uh, go right into a pretty topical thing, which is chapter approved. Uh, was uh, went up for pre-order, I suppose, this past weekend. Interestingly, I don't think there's been any official uh, release review copies for, for chapter approved. Don't know what that means, but there has been leaked versions of it and in, and in fact games workshop also copped to um you know because of how their release schedule has been jumbled up quite a bit uh the fact that gray knights and uh sisters of battle i believe are, are revealed their, their their new uh points amounts are, are in there so there's a, a pdf covering them until their book drops at any rate um with chapter approved uh just maybe a couple hot takes before we move on anything really strike out uh, really strike you as being a, a big deal points wise as far as adjustments are concerned. so points wise i don't see a lot of stuff really shaking up anything um there's some cool point drops for some armies but really uh i i you know ch th these points values were from what like six months ago right or something like that Potential. uh yeah potentially around there so i don't really see I, nothing stuck out to me when i was looking through them on anything that's uh groundbreaking if that makes sense yeah I, I didn't see anything except the possible raider points update leak which seems Probably fake to fake. me i would say almost certainly um, fake. i would hope so because that just seems over the top to yeah me. um yeah i think uh, you know matt you touched on something where you know just just the way games workshop still does their rule set and the fact that they're they're tied to paper um, you know, does make it hard for them to be particularly nimble. Um, I'm hopeful maybe they maybe they'll uh, you know start errating chapter approved or the uh, or the Munitorum field manual. Um, but Demeki, you got to be thrilled though. I, I know you were saying that you're really fired up about um, oh, some of the man. breaks that Tau caught there. Oh man, dude, let me tell you, Tau XV9 hazard suits. Look out! Uh, went down five points. Mm -hmm. Oof. Mm -hmm. uh, shield generators went down five points. Yep. And the Riptide went down one whole point. Is that real? I, I that's that that's what I've heard so far. I that's what that I've heard so far. Uncorroborated. Yeah. That that's just a troll. <laughs> that would have to be a troll if yeah. if that's actually a real thing. Uh, I I also saw with like Quinns that they dropped the solitaire by two points. I don't know why they would do that. Like that all of a sudden the solitaire just two points would make the solitaire more viable. So like that doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, everything else on Quinns wasn't like touched at all, um, which is strange because uh, obviously like six months ago Quinns were still dominating the table and everything. But I guess if they nerf like one model in that unit, the entire army just falls apart. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think the entire range is nine data slates or something. I did. Yeah, yeah, it's like eight or well, we don't count the void. The uh, the uh, what's it called the teleportarium thingy oh, webway the, gate the shield yeah the <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you know we don't count yeah, the that. rune gate or whatever it is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah the thing that people usually just use as ter as a like a aesthetic terrain piece i guess for brandon did did they change anything for sisters at all and that you saw the 
the sisters got a lot of points reductions, which was interesting. What? That makes me- and it makes me worried that some of the units are probably going to be That's way fair. worse. Like, uh, Repentia went from 16 to 14 points a model. Whoa. And I'm speculating that they're losing some of their, their benefits. I'm curious. Preachers got much, much cheaper. Um, even Retributors went back down to 12 points. Wow. So it actually makes me worried. I'm like, they're dropping by this many points. What are they? What, what carpet are they pulling out from under my feet? Are, are the cherubs still uh, free? No, the cherubs weren't free. It was the simulacrums, and the simulacrums are no longer free. Okay, cool. Except possibly for retributors because it's not listed as an option. Mm. As far as points go, um, one thing that I saw, at least for uh, Nids, that's pretty interesting. So, like, the Dima went up by 25 points, uh, and then the Swarmlord actually went down by 30 points, which is you know, pretty good considering that like he was 270 points, like super overcosted, but you had to take him anyways. Um, but like, uh, if you ran like a, the standard double demo list, the list only went up by like five points, which is a huge steal. And then also gene stealer is going down by two points. That's huge. So like swarm Lord going down by 30 points and then gene stealer is going down by two points back to 12, which is, or no, I think it's, uh, 13 which is only one point more than what it originally was, I think, from 8th edition. That's that's pretty big, considering that things like uh, Drakari are still on the table, Devil Gaunts didn't get touched, uh, Nid's still looking pretty decent, punching upwards towards like ninth edition codexes and what's meta. So that's kind of cool. That's really good yeah. news. Yeah, when you put it that way, my sister's list that I won the event with, I think went down by about 50 points. Wow, so you can take that with list again. Sisters. Wow. That's pretty good. I can see why you're nervous. Not gonna lie, Mr. Grant. I can definitely see that. Like, what? What's going on here? Um. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our uh, our coverage of blurry photos we've seen so far of Chapter Approved and uh, and the uh, Munitorum Field Manual. Why don't we swing on through to some action-packed Patreon questions? How do you feel about that, fellas? Let's do it. I'm excited. Nah. Nah. I'd like to thank I'd like to thank Demecki for his enthusiasm. Tim Dodd kicks us off here with Are you planning on doing this podcast and Stat Center going forward, Val? What an interesting question, Tim. So Stat Center, of course, with my man Peter the Falcon Colosimo over at uh, 40kstats.com. We will be starting back up. The, we're shooting for the Monday after the ACO, which would make it Monday, June. The 10th, everybody, Monday, June the 10th, because I was ready with that answer, is when uh, Stat Center should be coming back. Um, and I will not be doing double duty. I will not be hosting Chapter Tactics. This is a this is a one-time event, because as a matter of fact, Switcherama, reveal of the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the new hosts of Chapter Tactics, plus a couple other guys, uh, Matt and Demeki. Yeah, 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 woo! Woo! so the reason why i I thought that you guys would make such a a really awesome fit is that specifically i think at its heart this is always meant to be an accessible show a fun show and something that people who are you know uh, looking to to get better or getting into the game uh or are just you know uh you know approaching it from a, a, a more relaxed point of view i think can really uh listen to chapter tactics and enjoy it and so that's why I thought you guys would be a really brilliant fit. 
What do you think of that? Are you guys excited to take on the mantle? Uh, yes, and also nervous at the same time. Um, honestly, when I was getting into 40K and I was trying to find out like more information on how to play and uh, what I need to be doing as a new player, uh, Chapter Tactics, uh, I listen to their podcast like all the time. So now that uh, we're like helming it, it's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, surreal at that point right mm-hmm. um so yeah I'm, I'm we're we're extremely extremely excited about it uh just because we're huge fans of the network anyways yeah and uh we're really pleased i think and lucky to to have you guys and your enthusiasm uh the next question kind of dovetails uh with this one from robert frankowitz will there be any bigger changes in the format will there be an animated floating surveil uh surveil skull in every episode because I need that in my life. I'll get to that question later, Robert. But how do you guys see the evolution of chapter tactics with how you would like to present it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, for the servo skull thing, we, dude, you know what? We could just uh, take pictures of a, a Val and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> make an intro like Bill Nye, where it's just like his head in just different positions, uh, like rotating around. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I you like that be... you went straight to Bill Nye there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah what's your... Uh, what's What's your vision on the direction for the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, obviously what we're going to be doing is uh, creating a visual medium for it as well to be paired with the audio medium. Uh, so we'll be streaming it uh, live every single Tuesday, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, probably introduce more stuff to get more people involved in the competitive scene. Kind of like, you know, like what we said before where we unveil how the competitive scene isn't something that you should be afraid of um, going to events. Isn't something that you should be afraid of and talking to like these players that have a great understanding of how the events work and showing you guys that even though we are new, we're still interested in going into the competitive scene and how it's still a welcoming environment, even though the general consensus of it uh, to some people would be that it's scary. Yeah. I, the the main thing is that we want to appeal uh, to both you know current veteran players and also new players, but mostly focusing on uh, newer players getting into the hobby and just looking for uh, some extra tools to put into their toolbox while playing the game. <laughs> Kelsey Ito, um, uh, there there will be a couple questions from Kelsey. Uh, but he touched on literally what we just talked about, which is, are any plans to stream this another podcast on the Twitch channel? Um, and uh, if so, will you be bolstering it up, adding some uh, more channel point rewards, emotes, layovers, etc.? Well, for us FLGN folk, uh, we'll be kind of learning as we go. So I will definitely be looking to make sure we take advantage of as many you know, fun things to, to generate interaction and uh, more interest for our live streams, our live portion when we're actually recording the shows. Um, so absolutely, but, you know, it's going to be a learning curve for us. For you guys, do you get into that wacky Twitch stuff? Like you guys have like a siren go off when something yeah, yeah. happens? <laughs> it's just you going, rah, 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 and that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, before the before we start the... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like that. No, um, 
Uh, what we do for the streams is that uh, we have the podcast section where we do the recording of the podcast of Chapter Tactics. And then before that, we have a pre-show and a post-show. So the post-show, we can answer questions. Uh, so if you have questions for the people that we have, like uh, any guests that we have of the experts or anything like that, you guys can ask those questions and we'll answer them as the post-show. So then the actual meat of the podcast doesn't drag on for too long. Mm -hmm. And then we have a pre-show where we talk to the chat. Great. Yeah, and we bring our own flavor into the pre-show too. We uh, we we talk about either something that we might be having a drink that day, or uh, we do recipes. That's huh. that's one thing that we've uh, actually been doing. Very nice. Well, hey, breaking the new boundaries in uh, in forty k content. That's pretty awesome. Brandon, do you have any any questions to grill the the the, the new hosts with? Um, I actually was going to comment that I really liked the way Matt described the show in that. Tournaments can seem extremely intimidating, especially if you've never been to one. And I would love to be involved with any content producer who wants to make that far more approachable and wants to encourage people to try something new and stretch themselves. So I'm happy to be a part of this. You just Let's go. let me know. Let's go! <laughs> right on, everybody. All right, so Kelsey uh, asks another question. If you had an unlimited budget, what would the future of front of the Frontline Gaming Network look like for you? And I mean unlimited, like making Bezos get you coffee unlimited. Well, Kelsey, if we're going to have that kind of ridiculous no restrictions applied to the question, then obviously I'm buying Games Workshop, I'm buying Amazon, buying everything, and the game's no fun. So I'm going to add some restrictions onto this, <laughs> and I'm going to say, what if we had, I don't know, a budget? What if we had some money to work with? I think the first thing for me always is, uh, investing back into the show and 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 just trying to get them to as high quality and professionally produce as we possibly can. Uh, recently, I put out a call for uh, people to help with uh, producing, so being the, the person who actually runs the live show, editors and contributors, uh, because right now this is not a you know a money making operation. Uh, you know we need a lot of volunteer help, I think, to to meet the ambition and goals of of the network going forward, and so. You know, we're going to depend on the, uh, the, the help of, of volunteers for a little while here. But I would say that if we had a budget, first thing is make sure content creators actually do get paid for their work and, uh, you know, for the efforts and artistry that goes into this. Um, after that, it would be getting out to as many events as possible each and every weekend uh, if, we, if we had that kind of a budget. So that way, every week we have a really nice cycle built around a marquee event where you're going to get great coverage. It's entertaining. It pops. It moves around between different tables, graphics, overlays, you know, fancy, fancy stuff that you see when you watch sports or any other live produced type of show. Um, I would love to see that. I'd like, I'd like a, a, a streamed game of 40k to a, you know, layperson or someone watching it to make it look like um, they're playing an RTS game. Um, I'd love for the, the visual medium of, you know, broadcast live 40K to be much, much more engaging. And actually, we're taking some steps to actually uh, get the tools that will help us get closer to that kind of a goal. Yeah, um, like that, that, that's honestly what I would love to do as well. Like, and we're, it feels like that we're getting closer to that, especially with uh, technology catching up mm -hmm. to us now. Um, mm -hmm. Rightful Ruler, yep. huge. That's huge. If we, if uh, every... If every streamed uh, content creator for Warhammer can get access to that, they can. Oh man, dude, that's gonna be a game changer right there. 
Absolutely. Uh, how many Michael Bay level explosions will we be able to have? Oh, at least that's, ten. The, at least ten. That's all I care about. Yes. 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 So with so what they're talking about obviously is Rifle Ruler is a, is an app that allows uh, you know AR or virtual production to be brought into uh, broadcasting 40K. So. You know, you, we'd be able to draw uh, graphically, you know, exact measurements on screens, threat bubbles. You can put labels and all sorts of stuff that looks magically floating in the air on the screen. It's actually really cool. It looks like the players are interacting with holograms. I can't wait. I think it's going to be really good. And really from there, you know, once you have the sort of the, the structure built, yeah, you can have it, it doesn't have to be a static line animation. It could be an explosion. Uh, it could be. Uh, you know, uh, tracer bullets so that you're, you're marking, you know, what, what uh, units are engaging with what other units. It could be blood smears on the ground to, to note wounds and casualties. There's really an, a limitless uh, you know, a, amount of, of things you can do uh, with Broadcast 40K. And if, if we had the opportunity to just add money, I think we would have something that, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about just capturing the imagination of Warhammer fans, I think we would be able to target gamers, people who watch uh, cool stuff online, which is anybody. And that's kind of that's kind of the people who I'll be going for. So, and I'm hoping first event, maybe not that fancy, but maybe using some of the oozy, very primordial versions of these aspirations will we'll start to take shape uh, at, I'm hoping, the Lone Star Open uh, later on in July. So yeah. I blacked out, guys. Did that sound cool? It sounded so cool. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Let's uh, shift gears now over to David Goff. This is a nice little segue, actually. What are your, your and Frontline Gaming's thoughts about Games Workshop's upcoming roadshow of GTs in the Southeast U.S.? Do you foresee them participating with the ITC in those tournaments? Spoiler, they are. Games Workshop will be awarding ITC points, so you guys can comment on that. Um, and he says it's pretty interesting to see this happen. The Roadshow. We're going to we're going to Orlando, New Orleans. There's two two major events in New Orleans this year. It's hilarious. And Austin, Texas. Guys, what do you think? Games Workshop's back. I'm kind of sad. There's no there's no games in Atlanta. I was hoping for a, a hot ATL appearance. Oh, you didn't get your tickets to Warzone Atlanta. They just they went on sale like a couple days ago. I uh, see. I didn't even know. So look at that. Mm. I think it shows how far we've come in the ITC when um, ITC was modifying Games Workshop's rules and creating their own missions for a long time. And now Games Workshop is awarding ITC points at their events. I think that it shows how far Games Workshop and ITC have both come together to make competitive 40K gaming that much more approachable and fun for everyone. So sounds great to me. Yeah, it's honestly just a huge step in the right direction, I think, from Games Workshop uh, to absolutely just fall in love with uh, how the ITC works and everything and holding hands with them. I, I like to imagine them going down to a beach and just, you know, holding hands, going into the sunset and just having and living happily ever after. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I know a lot of the people involved in these things, and uh, that was uh, that's a really interesting image of Mike Brandt and, and, and Reese, maybe with a bottle of wine. Just hanging on down the beach. Yeah, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, get whoa. get Reese out of his office, you know, whoa. and have him just go onto the beach. That's right. Uh, just like you can do at the SoCal Open. Not actually. It's near the beach, not actually on the beach. This is a thing people get confused about. Um, that it, guys? That's all you want? I mean, Games Workshop is running a big Nova-style events in a truck. 
that is moving around America. Like that's it. Like we're. we're I, I, fired up. I think I'm fired up about this. I'm I'm fired up as long as uh as as long as it's still part of ITC. I f- I feel like it will be fine. Like as long as it's like part of the 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 point system and whatnot. It is. I I feel like it will be fine as long as they don't pull a Wizards of the Coast with uh magic what what they did with Magic the Gathering recently. They'll be fine. And uh, for those of us at home, um, what does that mean? Uh, Magic that, that, made that's some an changes. entirely different yeah. conversation. That's... That, that would literally <laughs> take a whole other hour of yeah. explanation. But they had a really good they had a really good tournament set up before they made some changes and kind of uh, screwed the pooch. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Well, hey, let's uh, let's focus on the positive here, guy. Brant, Mike Brant, is driving the truck himself. He's on a road show. He's going to be hitting up at least three places in America. And then I think they're doing a playoff in L.A. or something. They made some allusion to that. So Yeah, yeah. They're taking, I think, like the top players and having them out in L.A. to do the, like, the finals or something. Brandon, will you, Brandon, will you be traveling to play in one of these events? I don't think uh, this year I'll be going that far. But maybe next year. We'll see. Well, maybe they'll come to you. They're, They're saying that they're not repeating the same um cities necessarily it's literally supposed to bring the it's like a it's a it's a it's a carnival it is a circus tent of of competitive 40k so they're going to move it around the continental u.s and for all of our friends and listeners overseas be that the uk australia europe and everywhere else in between maybe even one of your countries too someday hey maybe we'll cross the border maybe we'll come north who knows could be exciting let's see what happens i'm pumped obviously on to the next one um, here's a here's a nice one for you from Brett Urbanowski, Brandon Grant for the podcast. Why does GW hate guards so much? Oh, um, we've covered this slightly in the past, and I if you're not already part of my Facebook group discussing guard, it sounds like you are. Um, you should send me a request to be added. Mm-hmm. But um, I wouldn't say that they hate guards so much, but I would say that they're trying to leave them in a place where they're reasonably playable, not at a tournament level necessarily, but they're trying to leave all the fixes for a codex, it seems like, because the latest chapter approved pretty much kept them as they are. Mm -hmm. And there were a few things I was hoping to see in adjustments, but mostly it was Super Heavies went down 20 points. The Krieg Death Ponies are actually a reasonable cost now. Not much else. And I think uh, structurally... Um, there'll need to be some changes to guard in terms of how things perform to better suit ninth. Um, and so far, you can fill it with allies. So that's my answer is, I don't think GW hates guard. I think they have big plans for them in the future, but they're holding off until a big release is ready. Yeah, I think that with the org codex also, that's kind of almost a preview of how they're going to treat guard, um, of what to look out for uh, since they're both like horde armies. It's going to be the like think of the org codex as a preview of what GW has in mind for guard. At least that's what I'm hoping for. You heard it here first. Toughness six guardsmen, everybody. It's coming. <laughs> tough, tough, with, no T10 with, guardsmen. T10 with with still strength three las guns. That's right. If I if I had to speculate, um, some of the points we've seen now, for example, you can get a rhino for eighty points for sisters that has a storm bolter. Or for 85 points, you can get a Chimera with two heavy flamers on it. And the Chimera has more transport capacity. And I know which one I'd take if I could pick who went inside what. Right. 
So I get the sense that to reduce the number of models that guard brings to the table, but still allow them to score, they're going to focus on making the infantry god-awful in terms of efficiency. You're not going to want to send 100 guardsmen into 30 space marines. The space marines will win every time. They're just going to make it so that the transport amplifies how that infantry unit performs to a point where, why aren't you taking transports? And that'll allow you to spend your points and still have a reasonable number of models on the table, but not be using a push broom to push 200 conscripts into your opponent's side of the board so you can win. That's just not a fun vision that Games Workshop wants to promote anymore. All right. Well, I mean, Armored Cav, the Steel Legion. I vividly remember 3rd Edition, like greasy teen hands just combing through that. It was like a pamphlet codex. It was like 20 pages, but that's where they brought the Steel Legion out, and I thought they were the coolest thing, and that one day I would get a job, and I would... I would buy myself a Steel Legion army, and they're made of pewter, and I have a job, and I can't afford, to this day, to get a Steel Legion army. Um, uh, but I think they're cool. And if it actually does go that way, I think that's actually a tremendous amount of fun and cool. Because I think a lot, a lot of the time in 8th edition, you had guardsmen that were kind of like the Space Marines. Like, your your catechins that you, you were running running roughshod over people with were super soldiers. Like, they weren't, oh, yeah. they weren't guardsmen. Once you get them going with 30 of them in an infantry squad blob with a priest nearby, um, you can do some real gross things with orders. Like, I had a squad of 20 get tied up and added another squad of 10 to it and used the fixed bayonets order to murder everyone they were touching Mm -hmm. and then proceeded to charge another unit and murder that one as well. So going on to the next question, Jason Danford Nathaniel Henning asked questions about Chapter Approved, um, which we've already covered. Alexander Vincent McDonough asked very specifically, Demeki, uh, my question is, how would you guys optimize a Slanesh Demon Army? Um, and, I'm, and I jokingly said that this was a, a, a softball question because I'm not going to lie to you, uh, Alexander. I, I have no idea how to optimize a Slanesh Army. Um, but, uh, maybe one of you guys, you guys got any ideas? De- definitely. Matt, Matt is definitely one of them. Uh, Matt is building his Slanesh army right now. And all I know is that it required him to get three keepers of secrets, uh, yeah. for his build. Okay. So like Slanesh doesn't have a lot of data sheets to like work with. Um, but the data sheets that they do have are really good. Uh, mostly you just want fiends. You want like nine fiends. Um, you can run it with six, but you want the max amount of fiends that you could possibly get just because they stop any type of fallback. And Slanesh loves being in melee combat all the time. Uh, it's like Rorschach from Watchmen. You're stuck in here. I'm. You're stuck in here with me, not I'm stuck in here with you. So you want to just kind of do that all the time. Uh, grab some keepers. You can run either mass keepers with like four keepers or you can run demonet, mass demonets with a contorted epitome and uh, what's it called? Seleski. Uh that would be extremely good as well if you're just looking for mono. If you're looking to do also souping with other chaos, then you could definitely run some stuff with even like Magnus uh, if you really wanted to with K Suns and just advance up the board. Try to get in and hopefully not go up against uh, something like a, a guard where they can just reroll all hit rolls against chaos and then uh, you just feel bad that you lose to guard. 
Yeah, let's hope that with the new codex that guard get that strat gets changed. It might, it might be on the list. Uh, and finally, guys, I think this is a, a great one to somewhat end on from Paul Yunson. Since the guys at Dice Check are relatively new to the 40k comp scene, what was the thing that intimidated them the most about it when they learned about it? Uh, yeah. So when we first learned about it was still during eighth and, um, the thing that I, I was kind of struggling with was that there was like two different sets of rules, right? You had match play from uh, GW and then you had, uh, the ITC side with mm. the ITC packet. So that was a little confusing for a new player at first. I was like, I, I don't, why are there two different things that I need to know? Um, but now, uh, especially with ninth, I think the, the scariest thing is just going back into a building with a bunch of other people, <laughs> <laughs> honest to God, uh, that's probably the more scary thing. Cause like, I mean, we, we've been in a bubble literally, uh, this whole time in ninth and we've been playing against each other and right. like, you know, we're just friends playing, playing against each other all the time. Uh, we're going to have to actually interact with other people and right. uh and you know uh, flow our way through that um which i i mean that's scary you know you, you're meeting someone for the first time and you're playing a game uh, a competitive game against them and emotions run hot and you don't know uh what you're gonna get you, you can take the man out of georgia but you, you can't take the georgia out of the man exactly for me i i wasn't afraid of the competitive scene i think it was just bad timing in the sense of COVID happening right um because i knew that for the second episode of uh the series that i was doing i wanted to go to competitive events and see what that was like and explore that more so i was always excited for it and then it was just wah, wah, too bad yeah like you know what you're saying is that you're never scared oh i'm never scared i'm okay. so strong i'm like <laughs> i'm like masaroshi and you know i just <laughs> Or I Batman. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Masaroshi and Batman, if they had a child. Right there. Yeah. And that's why you guys are Chapter Tactics Returns. That's why it's coming back. Brandon, any thoughts? you remember uh, your, your number one fear coming into to competitive 40K? I was excited, man. I, I, I remember I wasn't so much nervous as just pretty open and honest that I would screw up and just had a blast. So I have, I have no qualms. What about you, Brandon? Um, it was a long time ago and it was kind of a slow grow for me. So every step felt natural following the last one. So it wasn't just like I showed up at LVO one day and won everything. It was, yeah, I've been going to RTTs for a few years. Let's try LVO. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I just, um, for a long time did garage hammer mm -hmm. and was very casual and slowly got better and then started playing at tournaments and it just felt like a natural progression so there was never that moment of oh i shouldn't go it was more like there are big events why would i want to go to that yeah and then had a friend drag me and never looked back i would i would say that dear listeners as people who are um uh tuned into a, a very tournament positive uh, network of shows uh, i hope that you hear the enthusiasm that you do give uh, going to events a try once you feel like it's safe and you're ready to to get out there and and uh, and and see other people, um, I, one of the main reasons why I think it was so easy and I was so fired up about uh, going out and, and playing in, in one of my first Warhammer tournaments, and I'm a I'm a person who was like pretty like I don't know self conscious about playing with toy soldiers in public, um, but I was so fired up about it because of guys like Reese and Frankie, and Jeff Robinson and 
even Pablo and, and people who were out in podcast line land who knew each other from events and were out there and just had this like infectious enthusiasm. So that's really why I'm talking to you guys at all on, on the shows that I do is because of these events and, and how much fun I've had going to them and being a part of that community. So if you had community on your bingo card, it took us until an hour and 22 minutes, but we did say it. Uh, community. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to just going to um, any kind of event and just losing. Because, mm-hmm. like, it, it's so much fun to lose uh, in games. And I feel like that a lot of people don't take that into account. It, it's fun to lose because what you're doing when you're losing, if you do it correctly, then what you're doing is, like, you're just making yourself a better person by, like, learning how to deal with losing and then also learning what mistakes you're doing. So, like, even if you do lose, it's it's fun as long as you have the right mindset. You know what I mean? And I like you can always fail upwards. You know what I mean? That's uh, hey, how to lose is a great, uh, great show concept. I feel like I feel like that's something I'm gonna park. We're gonna say use that in a future episode because I think uh, learning how to lose is really, really, really an important skill. Yeah, that sounds like a wonderful topic to me. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think we did it. Woo! <laughs> the first and last. Uh, Val Heffelfinger hosted show of Chapter Tactics. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, everyone who made it to the end. Uh, thank you to our dear patrons uh, for all of your questions, and uh, thank you to Brandon for being here for for the past shows and by the sounds of it, hopefully some future shows too. And to Matt, Demecki, JP, and anybody else over there, Raph and Ricky and Bricky. Um, thank you guys for, 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 uh, picking up the torch and running with it. I know you're going to do great. And, uh, yeah, the future is bright. Yeah, well, you made it hard for us. Cause you started off like it's, it's the, this is the first episode with you. And like, how do we beat that? We're already at the peak. Like, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we get past this now? Look, just cause I'm the creative director and you got to blow a little smoke. It's fine. You can continue <laughs> after we stop recording. Um, we're going to do plugs. Brandon, do you have anything to plug? I do. So I actually did an episode recently with Sister Act 40K. If you found my summary of the GT unsatisfactory, I did an entire episode on it with them. So go check them out if you're interested. That's the Sister Act? Sister Act 40K. That's great. That's a great show. I have listened to a few episodes from them. Um, Matt Demecki, do you have anything to plug? Yeah. uh, So you can check us out over at uh, youtube.com forward slash dice check where we upload uh, consistent 40k content uh, for all your eyeballs and ear holes and also on twitch twitch.tv forward slash dice check where you guys can uh, watch us do live battle reports and uh, any type of podcast that we do we do live battle reports every single Saturday at 2pm Pacific Standard Time fantastic and what these guys are hosting Chapter Tactics, and they're plugging the Dice Check Patreon. What's that all about? Well, guys, <laughs> uh, all of our loyal uh, patrons, uh, what we're going to do with the Chapter Tactics uh, Patreon is we're going we're gonna to expand it to help cover all four. That's right, four core shows plus Chapter Tactics itself. Um, so it will become an FLGN Patreon. You guys will just have to stay tuned to how we're going to modify the tiers and some of the perks and benefits that you guys will get as part of your membership. But uh, you'll be supporting uh, 40K Stat Center, uh, an upcoming show which we'll announce on Signals from the Frontline called Grim After Dark, uh, Signals from the Frontline itself. Um, and uh, it's, it's just a really, really stacked lineup of shows that I know that you guys are really going to enjoy. 
And uh, stay tuned. I'm going to be on, on Signals from the Frontline on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I do believe. So with that, I think we're actually done. Right, guys? Actually, Tuesdays, right, Matt? Tuesdays at 6 p.m. PST is when Chapter Tactics will be uh, on twitch.com forward slash dice check. Incorrect. Twitch.tv forward slash dice check. Twitch.tv. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm trying to sign off, guys. I've been trying to leave this damn show. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Try to give it to you. You won't take it. Take the baton. You know what? Run with it. We all want to keep talking to each other. I think that's a good sign. That's a good sign. All right. Uh, here's a better sign. The show's over. Go home. Uh, thank you, everybody. Have a good night.